hello. Welcome back to another episode of No Funk and Strictly Munkin, the only podcast that is recording this bit for the first time and did not accidentally record 10 minutes before. We will deny it if you accuse this, okay? None, neither of us screwed up. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jay Christie, joined as always by Andre Barrera. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm flabbergasted, I'm embarrassed. Uh, but what are you I talking think... about? Neither of us screwed up. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm good, Jake. Um, how are you, actually? I'm doing well. I'm recording on my new iMac, which I got in purple, which is nice. Um, it's actually really not that purple, which kind of sucks. It's kind of just like a muted purple. Um, I like did you pick it up? Did you, did you pick it up in person, or did you have it delivered? No, I had, I had to get it delivered. It would, they, I mean, I could have gotten it uh, delivered to the Apple Store in Astoria, but I don't have a car, and it's like two miles away. So I wouldn't do that. <laughs> uh, okay. So I got it delivered right to me because um, I ordered it like a, almost a month ago, over a month ago probably. Oh really? Yeah, because I got a, I got a pretty souped up model. I got it with like the extra RAM and extra memory, and then I got it with Final Cut and Logic installed already. Um, just because I figure if I'm gonna be serious about you know podcasting and video editing and other things involved in that sort of thing, uh, mm-hmm. might as well put up or shut get, up. You know what I mean? Get it souped up. Yeah, because the thing with Max is because, you know, as we all know from the 2015, I would say, borderline masterpiece Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs didn't want people to be able to open up their computer, so I can't add anything afterwards, so I just have to get a whole new computer, and I don't feel like doing that. So I haven't uh, seen that movie. I think it's one of my, it's not actually, like, it's not consensus, I think it is one of the most underrated movies of the past 20 years. I think it's, it's I think it's so great. I, I just, I love it. Um I mean, it's it's Aaron Sorkin wrote it, but it's also a Danny Boyle picture. I mean, Michael Fassbender thrown heat. Seth Rogen should have gotten nominated for an Oscar, and I don't mean that ironically. Um, I think it's just a great movie. Anyway, okay, um, I'll get to it. Yeah, I mean, you, I, you'd like it because I mean, it has a lot. We were talking in the when we the time we weren't accidentally recording for a while, we didn't mention the Social Network, but it has a, that similar vibe because it's you know Aaron Sorkin writing about a tech guy, so it's you know that has a similar type of uh, trying to understand someone who's singularly minded and doesn't care about other people because of it. Um, would you would you watch the like a, a sequel to the Social Network? One hundred percent, yeah. Only if Aaron Sorkin wrote it though, um, because I think the thing that actually makes the Social Network work is that he, I think, in a lot of his work when he t- tries to tackle technology, it usually sucks because he's just so not engaged with it. But I think with the Social Network, the fact that he didn't actually focus and care about the actual technological innovations allowed it to be a human story as opposed to like trying to it wasn't like a movie even though i I like the big short it wasn't the type of movie where they had to stop and explain to you how coding worked or whatever because it wasn't about that you know right what if it was written by uh peter morgan i would watch that as well although i think it'd probably be worse um because I think that there's... A, Peter Morgan, his characters just have a quiet dignity to them, which I don't think that the social... that well, One, I just generally don't like in general with his writing, even though I think it's all really good. I just not... I don't want stories with people with dignity. I want stories with people being messy and terrible. Um, and the story of Facebook is not someone with dignity. In fact, I think that that's the whole problem. Um, so I actually would not really... I think he's actually a pretty terrible writer for it. Um, okay. Yeah. Right and even though I like... You just mentioned I like The Big Short and I like all every movie Adam McKay's ever made, I very much would not want to see his Facebook movie because it would just be... Like, even I, even I, who I sat through Vice and I'm like, yes, I like all this stuff, even I would be like, okay, this is too much. You're just talking down to me too much. I just can't, can't take this anymore. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway. Um, Mr. Monk and the Dog we're talking about. Sorry, we're a little bit bamboozled, but it is not because we recorded 10 minutes with one of us not recording. That is not why. So yeah. we start off... Amanda, a very nice lady. She's getting woken up by her dog, um, and uh, it's very. I would name, love to... her dog's name is Shelby. Beautiful mm-hmm. dog. We learn that later. Not... I look. It's did you see? Did you look up what breed it was? Because I, I got that info for you. 
No. What is it? A Polish lowland sheepdog, which is sh- similar to like a um, what's it called? A border collie. You know that that general family of sheep herding dogs. Okay. Ooh, that's a cute dog. Yeah. Um, I mean, the dog in the episode is very cute. Um, I mean, there are very few dogs that aren't cute. I'm really like I'm a fan of big dogs, small dogs. Um, you know, mostly I love big dogs because we didn't talk about it the last time. Um, I just would love nothing more in the world than a dog to sit on a couch and a dog about my weight just to sit on top of me and think it was a little dog. Isn't always the best when there's a dog that's like 150 pounds and he sits on people like he's a little dog? I love it. Yeah, it's like my sister's, uh, she has a golden retriever or Labrador. I always forget the difference. Um, and his name is Moose. I'm a, big, the, a dog, I've, the species I've been getting into a lot lately and I would love is a Newfoundlander. Have you seen those? I believe so. They're the gigantic anything usually black ones that are super fluffy and they drool all the time um oh, and yeah, yeah. they but like the famous for being like the one of the nicest like just they're born completely nice like they never have problems with their dogs or pe- like their type their dog that like if you have young kids they recommend because they'll just let like three-year-olds crawl, crawl over them and just be like <laughs> and do nothing which i just love I'll say this. I'm, like, super over, like, Labradoodles, like, enough. Yes. Everybody. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't, I don't, like, have any animosity towards the dogs, but it is, like, I just don't get the, they're not as special as, um, yeah, I think some people think they are. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, then next, she gets up, and her boyfriend, uh, played by the great Wallace Langham, um, is asleep (laughs) there. The great. The great, I, I, the thing is, I'm very, uh, hyperbolic. I'll call anyone the great, I don't care. Um, and, uh, she gets up and she's looking for scissors in what we learn is Stephen, her boyfriend's house. And, um, she instead finds a wedding photo along with a wedding ring. And, uh, that's bad news for our friend Stephen. Yeah, either he's, like, super into cosplaying the marriage story or this guy is involved in, uh, you know, he's, he's a married man and he's been hiding it from poor Amanda and rightfully she's upset uh you know she starts calling calling him out asking him a bunch of questions interrogating him as mm-hmm. you you know she deserves to she she, uh, she deserves some answers and uh and they start to get a little physical um Amanda takes like you know she starts mentioning like oh well if you're not married then you surely won't give a shit if I mm-hmm. do this and she grabs all the photos and I guess the ring too and goes to put them in the garbage disposal to you know fuck that up Mm-hmm. And Stephen doesn't appreciate that, uh, no. so he stops her, and he uh, pretty much like grabs her and like kind of pushes her off, and you know it does genuinely seem like an accident. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, regardless, you shouldn't be you know grabbing and pushing anybody, but I don't think yeah. his intent was definitely no. It was definitely manslaughter as opposed to murder. Yeah, and so he you know pushes her off, and she falls and hits her head on a countertop, and uh, she gets up. You know, it seems like she's gonna be all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as, like, you know, Steve's talking to her, she starts to get a little bit woozy. Um, and she, you know, she starts calling 911, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, and she starts, and she collapses again. And, you know, 911's on the phone. You can hear the operator asking, like, hey, like, uh, what's your emergency? What's your emergency? Hello, hello, hello. And Stephen sees this as a golden opportunity because, you know, obviously Amanda was uh, looking to stir shit up probably yes. after this. And, yeah, uh, or at least break up with him, you know. Yeah, or break up with him, and, I mean, I, yeah. So he takes the opportunity, and he lets the, the yeah. call. Well, I mean, even so, I mean, she's probably going to die anyway, so it's just a question of, like, if he, he talks to 911, then they're going to find a dead body on his floor, and how does he explain that to his wife? 
Um, you know, uh, honey, I uh, bought you a gift when you were away for three months. Um, you know, uh, anyway. So we then cut to uh, the theme song and then the Davenport family reunion. Now, have you ever had a family reunion before? Um, I have not, no. My mom's, like, extended family on, like, her great aunt and then uncle and all their kids had them when we were always kind of invited, but we were never, like, in that circle. It was mostly, like, those their direct kids and, uh, you know, um, the, the, my, my parents would always do the thing, like, go play with these kids who are, yeah, roughly kind of your same age, but, like, you don't really know them at all and you've, meet, you've seen them, like, twice ever. Um, so it was always fun, but it was, it, but you mentioned, sorry, you didn't mention the last time we were recording this, because that's preposterous, that it's in a public park, which when you think about it, they they own a fucking toothpaste empire. Why are they having this in a public park? Yeah, we've seen, uh, you know, the patriarch's house, I guess, or one of mm-hmm. the family members' house, Natalie's parents. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like they could have definitely hosted it there with a nice view of, uh, of the ocean. Yeah, even my family reunion that we go to was at a really nice house in uh, Fairfield, Connecticut, um... Which, in hindsight, now that I say that out loud, I realize that maybe some of the reason I felt uncomfortable is the definite class difference. <laughs> uh, from, I didn't grow up... I, I grew up, you know, upper middle class, maybe, at, but Fairfield, Connecticut, and I think about it, in the house I went to, it was not... Uh, it was definitely much bigger than mine. Um, but anyway, um, so Monk is sitting there, and uh, a little girl is like, are you my uncle? And of course, he's not. And so he's like, this, I'm your Aunt Natalie's boss. And she says, do you know her other boss, the crazy one? Which, you know, kid, you gotta be more self-aware. Why do you think he's, he's got two bosses? Uh, yeah, it's not a good look for Monk. Um, but he takes it in stride. <clears throat> yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's doing okay. Um, and yeah, she, she mentions where is Monk's family, and I guess that's where we start to get the idea behind this episode. Mm-hmm. And then we see a tug-of-war, um, which is, you know, always a fun game for the family to play. Um, and, uh... They lo- Natalie's team loses, and then we see a little croquet, um, which that actually was played at family reunions that I would go to. Um, I mean, I'm honestly shocked that I got that right um, as far as what it's called, that sport or whatever. Yeah, I never was old enough to play it because I think I went when I was like think year seven, year eight, but uh, there was definitely croquet there, um, which seems like a fun game, honestly. Like, it, it is a very white game, and I understand why you might scoff at it. But if you're watching it played, it's like it's a fun game for like seventy-year-old aunts and uncles to play. You know? Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I just like there's like so many things like you know badminton and like uh, you didn't well, you didn't play I played a lot of badminton growing up. High lie and like well, uh, I didn't play high lie growing up. I mean, that's a uh, you were probably Indonesia. closer to playing high lie than me. <laughs> that's Indonesian, right, or something? No, high lie is I believe it's Basque. Oh, is it? I believe so. Uh, you can, I, if you don't mind Googling that. It is, I, it is, it is, it is, yeah, it is, it is. I, I, pff, brother, get off my, get on my level, man. What are you talking about? I'm big into the bass people. You know where the biggest bass population in the United States is? Boise, Idaho. Anyway. Um, <laughs> are you serious? Yeah, I, I don't make up shit about the bass people. Ask me what their language is. Uh, I know what that is. It's what is it? Castellano? Gypsy? No, that's no, that's the that's the people in in um Castilla. Uh, what is it? No, what is it? That's like Barcelona in that area. Catalan. Catalan, yeah. No, they speak Uscara. Just come on, just what the fuck are you doing? You just get the Basque people all wrong. You're fucking up the Basque people. Yeah, well, anyway. I'm basking in my glory. No, <laughs> um, I'm, but yeah. Anyway, I, I remember that the only reason I know anything about the Basque people is that I remember my twin brother was taking a class in like his freshman year of high school, like AP Human Geography or whatever. 
and they had like a lesson about the best people because they're literally fascinating with like just from a sociological perspective because they're in between Spain and France and they have no their language has like nothing in common with Spanish or French like it's completely anomalous and their culture is like nothing in common with all that and I remember that we then he came home one day and was telling us all that and for some reason just a bit that I and my older brothers sometimes mostly me that would do is anytime anyone like shows any brief interest in anything for the next like five years like oh you know michael he's really into bass people <laughs> he just mentioned it once but he's just you know uh, he's really into them um but anyway high lie uh yeah uh there's actually a really good beer that my brother's like called high life which is from, i just uh, saw it at fucking target like, it's yesterday. from Tar- it's from tampa uh it's from sakars at the ipa they like it a lot um okay All right. yeah that's actually i think it's probably in their top five favorite it's i think it's definitely my older brother's favorite ipa um but anyway. wow okay. yeah um yeah i'd recommend it so, uh, he has takes a long time playing croquet, and then he, they take in a big family photo, and, uh, Monk doesn't join, and he's sad. Yeah, he's sad. Um, another little side thing I love is, uh, the little logo on all of their shirts. It's, uh, yeah. like a toothpaste, uh, mascot, mm-hmm. uh, so that was great. But yeah, Monk's yeah. alone, poor guy. Um, and just right there, we cut back to his place, and, you know, they got the sad version of the theme going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just really hammering it home that this guy's a lonely soul. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, sad boy vibes, but, you know, at least there's some meatloaf, some peas, mm-hmm. some mashed potatoes, and yeah. some white bread, I guess. I mean, I ate dinner alone tonight, and my dinner was probably, it was about on par with what he ate. There's nothing that sad about that. Um, and a big bowl of chili, you know. What kind of chili? Just regular chili. I just, like, got, like, the mix and stuff. I wasn't, it's just, I'm not going all, I'm just making for one. Was, I, like, ground beef chili, not turkey. Yeah, chili. I got beef chili just because I felt like because I had a turkey burger a couple days ago, and it's like I'm not gonna have I'm not gonna substitute turkey for beef twice in three days. Let me come on. Gobble, um, gobble. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, we then roll up to the house, which we learn is Amanda's. She was an artist, um, and uh, now she's missing. She's been missing since last Sunday, according to her uh, agent. Yeah, and um, her, her, her agent, Samantha Austin, uh, yeah, like you said, she said she's been missing, but she typically wouldn't be out of town without two things. Her medication, which mm-hmm. I don't think we ever find out what it's for, mm-hmm. and secondly, uh, her uh, without Shelby. Oh, yeah, and Shelby is her daughter? Uh, no, that would be the cute No, her son? Dog. No, that would be the cute little dog. Uh, I mean, she might consider her a daughter, but uh, the cute little dog from the beginning of the episode. Um, yeah, she wouldn't leave town without her. Yes. Also, I've imagined that there's not many people... Like, in, in TV shows, when it's like someone goes missing, it's like, would she, uh, you know, leave town without ever, without saying anything? I don't know if I've ever met anyone in my life who would leave town for a week's on end without telling anyone. <laughs> like, that's just, that's just, like, not normal behavior. <laughs> um... Like, if you were, like, an artist and you had, like, a agent who you were setting up stuff with, it would be bizarre for you to leave town for a week without saying anything. <laughs> like, that's just... Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Um, and so, Monk is completely put off by the idea of considering Shelby family. Um, and he asks, did Amanda wear glasses? Uh, no. She did not. I mean, not that we know. She didn't wear glasses. No. The, I mean, but... she's also... Yeah, 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 the yeah. agent says no. Right. The agent says no. But it appears that someone in the house was wearing glasses because they find a glasses case on the floor, mm-hmm. I think, or somewhere. Mm-hmm. Do you ever leave your glasses case when you uh, wearing your glasses? I don't ever bring my glasses case. Okay, good to yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, I do like if I'm traveling, but like I have to wear my glasses like all day. It's not just for reading or for anything. Yeah. So. yeah. 
That'd be yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So uh, they're asking, is she dating? She's a private person. But then they see a uh, painting of a man in glasses who's nude. So they think that that might be her uh, boyfriend. Yeah, her boyfriend, her lover. Um, and yeah, they Monk isn't aware at first that he's in the nude. He assumed that that was uh, the artist's signature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know what I that says about his, his big old cock, but... Yeah, that it looks like in the shape of an A, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's Something not... Weird. Yeah, I, I don't feel good about that. Um, and it's like, well, how are we going to find him from that? And, uh, you know, Steinmer says, what do you want me to do? I'll put out uh, an APV of this photo. And, um, you know, uh, Randy thinks doesn't realize he's joking. Anyway, um, and as this is going on, Monk's looking around, and Shelby is following him around. Um, I guess a great performance from this dog actor. Just really convincing. Um, yeah. You know, Tony definitely has some freaking raw meat in his pockets or some shit. Yeah, I mean, he... <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, mm. <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, so, you know, Monk is checking it all out, and... Uh, unfortunately for him, uh, Shelby gives him a nice little kiss on the hand and uh, sends him into, uh, you know, some sort of episode. Mm-hmm. Lick, hand, dog, lick, lick, hand, dog, 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 mm-hmm. dog, some shit. Yes. I don't know. And he, need, he asks Natalie to boil some water. And she's like, I'm not going to boil water. You just got to get a hand licked. She likes you. And he calls her a bad dog. And then Animal Control comes along. Uh, Animal Control, played by longtime comedian Eddie Pepitone. I don't know. I you know he's just a dude. Sure, who's, I don't he's just in shit. He's just one of those dudes who like you hear like comics be like, man, I've been I, one of the funniest guys on the road. You know, he's been Eddie Pepitone's one of the funniest guys. Just one of you know those dudes that have like are like sixty and have been doing it forever. I'm just saying he's in a lot of shit. Like he p- pops up briefly in a bunch of different shit. I don't know. Okay, sure. I just. I, th- you know, you know your shit, I know my shit. And comedians yeah, yeah. that just pop up and stuff because they're big in L.A. and your comedy circles, that's one of my things. Yeah, uh, I'm not shutting you down yet. I just yeah. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. He has a great okay. bit in Community where him and uh, Jerry Minor were... No, that, this is not the first time I saw him. Where they're talking... It's like, uh, man, you gotta stop flirting with your dental hygienist. And he says, yeah, but she's the one with her hands in my mouth. Which I love. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> It's the Law and Order parody episode, so they're supposed to be like they're the guys who find the quote old body. So like you know the band. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Um, So anyway, uh, Natalie says to Monk, "You should adopt this dog because she's gonna you know be brought to the shelter." Um, And he's immediately like, "No, that's ridiculous. I don't me a dog." Yeah, and uh, you know, Animal Control basically says, you know, they're first uh, worried about the fact that they're gonna take the dog, and they wonder like, oh. Are you taking it to like a no-kill shelter? And he's like, no, we're not. But if she like is not claimed for like a month or whatever, then they send her to the kill shelter. Yeah. So this basically gets Monk uh, against his, I guess, not better judgment, but against his usual judgment mm-hmm. um, to step up to the plate. And, uh, you know, Shelby's crying and it's, it's mm-hmm. a tough scene, but Monk, you know, decides he's going to take her home yeah. for and a it's day a ver- or so. Yeah, it's a very nice thing for Monk to do. And he brings her home and says, okay, this is it. It's temporary, transitory ephemeral like uh and he's like let me show you around and basically his rule is that everything's off limits um the bedroom the couch everything all she has what having fun is off limits yes the only thing she has is a corner right next to the door uh yeah a corner right next to the front door um i don't does he have a back door actually i don't know i mean no he doesn't he does he does right we all do 
yeah, uh, anyway, right. yeah. Anyway, yeah. so um, yeah, everything's off the limits. Mine's the corner. Uh, but yeah, like she can sleep with the umbrella, and so he takes one of the umbrellas off of his. Uh, I mean, I'm honestly shocked that he was okay with you know disrupting the flow mm-hmm. of his. You know, the three umbrellas always hanging there. Yeah. Uh, he hangs uh, her uh, leash there and, you know, opens up an umbrella. I would think he'd be superstitious about opening one up in, inside also, but I guess he's not. I mean, I think he's not superstitious. I mean, he's superstitious about the things he's superstitious about, but he's not. Su- I think he would consider superstitions dumb. He's like, those aren't real, but then he still needs to poke things because, you know, those are real to him. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so he opens up the umbrella and, you know, Shelby, like a good girl, actually gets in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he, he he decides he needs to get her some water. She hasn't drank some water, so he goes in the kitchen, tells her to stay there. And, of course, goes inside, gets her a nice uh, bottle of water, pours her the water, and goes back to give it to her and notices that she is gone. Where is Yes, she is, uh, she is in the bathroom, drinking water straight from the toilet. Now, is that a thing your dogs ever did? Uh, no, never, yeah. never. I think my dog growing up it was a miniature schnauzer, and I think she was too small. To ever get uh, to um, uh, to ever get to uh, the toilet, um, yeah. But yeah, it, it it definitely is. It's not not gross. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, it's it's not an ideal situation. Thank God, I, all my dogs except for my first dog are were definitely way too small to have done that. Uh, so, so yeah, so she starts drinking water out of the toilet, and not only that, she starts to chase monk around the house. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and so then um, we cut to they're having a search party for uh, for Amanda. Um, and, you know, Stomach said everything, like, you know, we're looking for Amanda. And Deirdre points out, although any dead body would be, excuse me, would be of interest. Um, so they start there, and um, Monk, we see, brought Shelby. Yeah, he brought, he brought Shelby, um, and he, he's... Uh, Natalie notices that she's very clean, uh, mm-hmm. and Monk points out that he gave her a bath for hours after the whole toilet incident, mm-hmm. and so yeah, she better be clean. Mm-hmm. But apparently she's not umbrella trained, and that makes him very upset. And he has gloves that he uses to handle her. Um, so then we see that she immediately runs up to Steve, which, you know, is a big, big clue. And he says, you know, she probably just smells my dog. Um... And she yeah. notes, like, oh, what are they feeding you? Um, which is obviously a clue for later. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so uh, Monk immediately after he leaves is like, don't listen to him. You're not fat. You know, Monk is supportive. He's, you know, he's uh, non-judgmental. Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> and so they, they all take off. All the, the search party goes off, uh, mm-hmm. you know, searching for, you know, any sign of a struggle, any sort of uh, freshly dug... A patch of dirt, mm-hmm. uh, clothing articles, anything like that. So, yeah. they're at it for like a few minutes, and uh, what do you know? It turns out your boy, Steven, Steve, finds something. And it just so happens to be Amanda's wallet with a post-it note inside saying that she needed to meet Dylan at a certain time on a certain day, something like that. I don't remember exactly what. Saturday a.m., and Dylan is her ex-husband. And thankfully, Stahlmeier is like, we don't get that lucky. This is a bit fishy. Uh, yeah. yeah, right off the bat, so that's good. Um, yeah. And so, and so yeah. yeah, go ahead. Because, um, of course, so then Monk has an idea. Um, well, he sees, like, that is the guy in the gray shirt, Stephen, and we don't know his name, Stephen, at the time. Well, he doesn't know that. And 
He has glasses. So Monk tries something, which I love shit like this in detective stuff where it's like little mind tricks that aren't actually proof of anything, but are, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's like a mind trick that's like super weird and obvious too, like the way that he asked it, but I mean, it but, works out no, But, but I mean, in high, but it's obvious, but like, it works, you know what I mean? Because it is yeah, actually no, true. So he asks, you know, we think one of you killed Amanda Castle. If you're guilty, please raise your hand. And what he notices is that everyone naturally looks around except for Steve, because Steve, of course, wouldn't look around because he didn't. Um, right. Which I just love shit like that. It reminds me of, there's a great bit in uh, the old program mm-hmm. Matlock, um, where uh, he's an episode I saw multiple times, so it must have been like a famous episode, because my mom would watch it in like syndication, where he's, you know, the defense attorney, and there's like a case where someone's on trial for murder, and there's no body, and he believes that the person just didn't actually die. And in his closing argument, he's like, let's say the guy's name's John Smith, he's like, and just to prove that he's not dead, John Smith will walk through the door right now. He points to the door, and everyone looks over. And he says, Except he's not going to walk through the door, but the fact that you look means that there's reasonable doubt that he's dead, so therefore you can't convict. Which shit like that. Love it. I don't think yeah, that that's actually that. admissible in court, but I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so... Yeah, I, I um I think that it's I like that they get onto this guy pretty easy because he's really bad at trying to cover up a murder. Like he's just really not equipped. He's not. He doesn't have the the the, the skills. Yeah. Um. Good thing he uh he's, he's probably never watched an episode of CSI in his life. No. Um. Because then if he did, he would have a Jake Gyllenhaal enemy situation. Um. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is that the right one? No, it's not. Right? No, that's, uh, that's CSI Miami. That, 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 yeah, who are you? Are you? <laughs> I really want to know. Anyway, um, so we cut to the police station, and Monk needs to know when it's two thirty because he promised Shelby that he'd be home at two thirty. Um, and he's you know g- gushing over her like a uh, new father, like you know, oh she's really smart. She's doing tricks, not to lick, not to drool, not to discharge. Um, yeah, um, very crucial. The last one. Yeah, um, but Natalie gives him a gift, though, to deal with that. Yeah, she gives him a shapoopy, which is basically a poop scooper. Is mm-hmm. that what you call it? Yeah, poop scooper. And Monk assures her there's no need for this because mm-hmm. he's trained her on that, too. He's trained yeah. her not to shit, which mm-hmm. just has to be very horrible for that dog's health. Yeah, Luckily, just really less than ideal. Less than ideal. Um, I'm surprised he so, didn't teach her like, how to use the fucking toilet, but I guess that would be off limits. No, cause, yeah, because then he has to clean the toilet every time. Um as if he doesn't already. That's true. And so then Stamar comes in and they realize that he, Stephen DeWitt, used a phony name, but they, uh, they ran his plates and that's how they found him. And it turns out he's an industrial engineer and he, sorry, his wife owns a $2 million brownstone. I feel like this guy might be feeling a little emasculated if I didn't know any better. Right. Um, also, I don't know why, maybe it's just me, uh, but I always assume that uh, brownstones were typically just for like New York style. I thought so as well. I think that that's. Pr- I think that they. This is just what you get when it's a bunch of New Yorkers writing a show that doesn't take place in New York. I don't okay. think that they call them brownstones anywhere else because I think it would be a townhouse if it was in San Francisco, right? Right, but they and they also call it a townhouse in in, in other parts of the episode. Yeah, and a brownstone is basically just a townhouse. It's just a New York term for it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, anyway, he's also a big patron of the arts. Um, so he, that's probably how he knows Amanda. But there's nothing on the phone records. So they need a body in order to figure out this, in order, in order to put, you know, the case together. And they know she could be anywhere. But Randy's like, no, that's not true. Yeah, she can't be anywhere. Uh, for instance, she can't be at 
uh, his place. Well, she uh, gave it her house, the park, his place, the office. Yeah, and those are the only places he can officially eliminate now. So <laughs> yeah. Monk's house and Stott's place and Natalie's place are still... Mm-hmm. Still, still wondering. You can't know for sure until you eliminate it. But they also learn that Amanda Castle called 911 the morning of her death. And we know that it was in the general vicinity, a 10-block radius of... the t- Like, within 10 blocks of Stephen DeWitt's townhouse. So that's not evidence at all, because this is San Francisco. There's thousands of people who live in that 10-block radius. And I think it's just a, a thing of the episode, because obviously that would not be the case. I think they would be able to get exactly where the call came I'm not sure about back then. I, I, I don't know. I'm actually... It's Silicon know, Valley, baby. Come on. I mean, but it, yeah, they didn't have better cell phone technology in Silicon Valley. Just like this, you know, why would she? Why would they have better ability to trace? All right, yeah, they were bitching about the Yamakaze cell phones. The exa- day before, yeah, right? yeah, uh, yeah. I believe it was Fujikawa, but honestly, it's just as broadly like just generic Japanese, so it's fine. Um, and so, uh, Monk's like, we got to get back though, because it's it's one twenty two. That's almost two thirty, um, and because he wants to stop at the store to surprise her with some ice cream. Yeah. And so she takes out, he takes out the ice cream, got five different types of ice cream. It's just a great relationship. You know, he's really excited. Um, and then they go for a walk and they play a little game. Yeah, they play a game of fetch. Uh, but instead of fetching a ball, she's uh, she's supposed to fetch a uh, ball that's been uh, Ziploc bagged. And that's not going to work for our girl Shelby and any other dog. So Monk realizes that, and you know he says that she needs to feel the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so he takes it out of the out of the Ziploc, and you know indulges her in a game of catch. Yep, and it's a very nice moment. Um, they're having a lot of fun, and then we have a, a hiker with his two sons who uh, are hiking, you know, in the mountains, well, in the hills, and they mm-hmm. find a rug just out there. And the dad's like, ah, oh, don't touch that. Which is like, if you see a rug in the middle of nowhere, that's a fucking body. And you got like, you can't just pretend it's like you know it's a body, you know? Yeah, it's either a body or they're getting ready to furnish like uh, uh, some sort of bunker, a la under the Silver Lake, close by. Sure. I, I point being, you need to investigate it. Like, yes. the, you yes. can't just be like, ignore that rug. It's perfectly normal. Excuse me for a rug to be in the middle of the mountains, you know. Um, anyway, yeah. so they end up kicking it, and the body falls out. Monk gets a phone call, and he has to, he has to deliver some bad news to Shelby. Yeah, he, uh, you know, tells her that she needs to sit for this, and she obeys. And, uh, you know, he tells her that, uh, her, the nice lady, Amanda, that was taking care of her before him, um, she's gone, and she won't be back. And, uh, and the whole time, you know, this dog is, you know, doing great work acting, Mm-hmm. Uh, she replies to like every you know. Yes, oh, that probably is put in post, but I do. But she definitely in the right movements. The movements, like yeah. I'm, I'm like it's just really a great stuff. Um, you know, obviously they say never, never work with children or animals. Um, but you know, if the animal is this dog, which I assume is passed just based on math, um, just great work. Yeah, she's the the Julia Butters of uh, of Polish uh, land, whatever the fuck. Po- uh, Polish lowland. Uh, Polish Lowland Sheepdogs, I believe it was. Yeah, there you go. And yes. Monk feels terrible. Monk feels yeah. terrible for her. You know, he's, he's laying it down very gently, and, mm-hmm. you know, he, he pets her. Uh, I mean, there's the dog. great joke that he says she's chasing rabbits all day on a farm, which is funny. Like, that's a funny joke. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, um, she's at a farm upstate. 
And he says, you know, I know how you feel, but you're never alone, little one. You know, he's just being really sweet. Um, and then we cut to Monk and Natalie talking to Steven. And he is in his cups. You know, it's like you can tell he has some, he has just vodka rocks in his hand. And it's not his first. You can just tell by his vibe, you know. Like, he's, yeah. Yeah, he's got – and he's wearing some very interesting uh, – early 2000s glasses or something like they're even outdated for that time i want to say yeah i mean i just get the vibe when his wife finally comes in one i don't know if this is intentional but the actress they cast is like 15 years older than him which is yeah Yeah, i think there's just you just get the vibe that this man is just completely like metaphorically cucked in life you know what i mean like i I don't know if they i'm not just saying that because they use that word all the time but like that's really what it feels like is that he's just been really made to feel like nothing in his own life and so he kind of doesn't know how to act when he's like you know yeah he just feels completely emasculated by it all yeah um he yeah it's it's a really weird uh looking couple that's for sure yeah and he's obviously you know he's so mad that he's gonna turn around and sue gawk right of existence no sorry that was the character we played in the social network um so right. uh by the way shouts to the hey, gawker's back it's not out of existence it's, it's i don't know if you know but it's back um gawkward yes yeah it's a little awkward i actually uh went to college with one of the current writers i want to say i'm friends with but it's always weird but i was friendly with her she was in my she was on a part a podcast that i recorded in my apartment so she's been to my apartment once so she, i'm friends with the current writer of gawker I haven't spoken to her in five years but fuck it anyway i don't think i've ever read anything on gawker in my life oh really gawker was the best that's like all this every celebrity that has been taken down for like me too stuff basically every single one gawker reported on it like five years before anything came out because and that's why they they, that is why they ended up getting sued out of existence because they didn't have exactly the most like they weren't the new york times in terms of vetting stuff but they were just like they'd be willing to be like if a guy's like hey a friend of mine told me that louis ck you know trapped her and masturbated in front of her they'd report that and fuck it you're like i don't think that the new york times should do that but i like that there is a website that will do that um it you know anyway um so, uh, yeah, he's saying he's doing a civic duty and, you know, he's just completely just saying a bunch of dumb shit. Monk notices that a spot on the floor in the kitchen is very clean, um, which, uh... Almost, it looks like it's been bleached. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's just like, get, you know, you get out, you can't prove I killed anyone. Um, and then they notice that the rug, excuse me, on the floor is brand new. Yeah, and luckily, uh, you know, uh, the wife explains uh, that it's, yeah, he, I guess she had just gotten it from London, or he had just gotten it from no, London? No, he had got it, she was in London for three months, and he bought right. it when she was in London. Oh, okay, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that his wife is Gwen, and they meet her their dog, who's an Australian Shepherd who doesn't have a tail, um, because right. Australian Shepherds naturally don't have tails. Um, yeah. And I fucking knew it a second that dog came Yeah, out. I think that yeah. that's, it's pretty obvious. I think that that's, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, good stuff. I, the, I think, I actually don't like that they have the tail thing, because they actually don't need that, because they would just do a DNA test anyway. So, like, I think that that's a bit being too, being a little too easy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think you need the dog to have an immediately identifiable feature, because it's not like, it's not like the, just the litter not having tails is evidence enough. They have to do a DNA test anyway, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, she's a little bit nicer than Steven is. And, yeah, because you know, she doesn't think she's not trying to get away with murder. 
Right. And she's like invites them, or she asks them if they want anything to drink. Mm-hmm. But uh, Stephen tells them, nope, they're actually on their way out. So I would just, I wish that Monk Savage was like, yeah, can I get a swig off that guy Stoli? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, so uh, they get back, and Amory, the little cousin, the little uh, niece from the beginning, was watching the dog. Uh, was watching Shelby, and um, she wishes she had a dog, but she notes that Shelby didn't eat, and maybe she just wasn't hungry. Um, and, you know, it's a bit concerning. Because when a dog isn't eating and stuff, that is concerning. Like, that's, like, the scariest thing for a dog owner, you know? Um, yeah, 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 for sure. And Monk thinks that maybe he was just wait- she was just waiting for him mm-hmm. to get home before he she chowed down, but nah, she's uh, she's still not feeling it right now. Yeah. And so she Amory's leaving, and she's like, you said $5.00. And Monk can't help himself from being cheap to a fucking seven-year-old. He is the worst man on planet Earth. Right. Uh, I mean, he does raise a good point. I don't know if she was joking. She's bluffing. With him. Okay. Because he says, "Do you have change for a hundred? And she says, "Yes," which obviously, but then he says, "But then you don't need you don't need my five. Um, but anyway. I don't know, man. She's a Davenport. She could. That is true. She probably does have the money. That is true. Yeah. Because we know Monk uh, didn't take. I mean, excuse me. We know Natalie didn't take any of her parents' money. But you know. The other airports. Yeah. Um, yeah, but by the way, I just want to confirm: if you, your parents were the like uh, the had a toothpaste empire, you wouldn't have a principled stand about not taking the money, right? <laughs> absolutely not. Are you fucking? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I'm also saying this from the perspective of a person uh, who didn't raise, wasn't born into money in any yeah. way. No, uh, I, th- I, th- I, I s- I'll say this: I think that there is a vast difference between. Just sitting on your ass and not doing anything with your life and just inheriting money and being like, hey, my life would be a lot easier if I could, you know, uh, take, like, you know, because even with me, like, the money that I, the help that my parents gave me with college and all stuff like that, I wasn't going to say, no, like, no, I want to work hard for this. Like, no, my life is much easier and I've been able to focus on other things because uh, of it. Anyway. Um, yeah. So Monk is, a nat- uh, is uh, walking Shelby at night. Um, they pass another dog and they start sniffing and I love the monk says, no, 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 you don't know her. Um, and, uh, they walk through an alley and, uh, there's some danger. Yeah. Like, uh, a car all of a sudden turns its engine on and starts gunning it towards them. And, uh, you know, monk, they're able to like, you know, get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, monk's able to get out of the way, I guess. And so Shelby, uh, she ends up like in the middle of the street again mm-hmm. and the, the car is coming back for seconds, uh, you know, to, for, for first, I guess. And Monk manages to save Shelby, and uh, and yeah, it's a scary situation. Someone's obviously mm. trying to take the dog yeah. out, and not Monk. Yeah. So Monk and Shelby are at the police station, and he's telling Stoudemire and Disher like, no, this wasn't just a drunk. This was someone who was trying to kill Shelby. And the thing is, we can see it's. I like the way that the actual accident part is shot because. It makes it, there's a, it, from the audience perspective, there's no ambiguity over what was happening. We The audience is, knows that the person was trying to kill Shelby. Correct. That's right. Um, so, Monk then goes to see Stott and Disher and, you know. Which is, I just said, but, well, you know, it's whatever. Well, why even? <laughs> Sorry. It's was, fine. No, I'm I kidding. Get, it's good. It's fine. Uh, but, uh, so, yeah. And, and they don't really believe him so much. Yeah, they don't believe him. Um... And, well, I mean, Disher says that maybe she witnessed the murder and uh, and maybe they're trying to take the dog out because she might be able to bark in open court. Yeah, maybe uh, I DM and Starmer's like, dogs aren't allowed to be witnesses in court. And Disher says maybe he's afraid they'll change the rule. 
Yeah, you know, they have the... I forgot what the word he uses is... Um, well, he basically, yeah, well he one thing he says is, you know, it is California. Yeah, it is California, which, you know, stranger things, I guess, have happened. Uh-huh, um, yeah. But, yeah, she knows Shelby, she's... Uh, yeah, so they leave from there, basically, and Shelby's still not eating. Um, mm-hmm. And she's starting to exhibit some other symptoms. Yeah. Uh, so he calls a vet hotline and says, you know, that she's not eating, she's shivering, panting heavily... And then has she been putting on weight? And so the person on the phone says, you know, the dog's in labor. And Monk doesn't understand. And she's having a litter now. So that's not good for Monk. And we cut back. The whole house is lined. The whole apartment's lined in newspapers. And uh, mm-hmm. Natalie's there. And Monk is completely just not here for it. Even though, as Natalie points out, it's a natural thing. Right. Uh, maybe not so natural when it happens, like he says, on the floor in someone's house. Um, Although it is California, so that probably that's happening more than it should. Oh, I'm sure it has. Um, oh God. Yeah, and uh, and you know, after a little while, uh, here comes the first one, and uh, you know, Monk quickly gets over it. He's well, like yeah, because very... it's a fucking because Monk is like he's putting up a vague, but the whole thing about this episode and a lot of Monk. The show is that he's a human like anyone else, and when he sees the miracle of a puppy giving birth to other puppies, he can't pretend like he's that grossed out by it. Um, and it's a boy, and what is he naming this uh, this this puppy? Exhibit A, because uh, mm. he fucking loves Jay Electronica. No, he he's. Oh, I was actually gonna say because he loves Pit My Ride, but your joke's more specific. Well, honestly, I'll be honest with you, I don't get it. I not I don't know any of Jay Electronica's discography. Does he have that thing called Exhibit A? Oh, he has, like, different, like, Exhibit A, Exhibit B, Exhibit C. Okay. Yeah. When I think of Exhibit, I think of, yo, dog, you like monk? I put a monk in your monk, so you get monk while you. <laughs> do you ever think, how often do you think about, and the answer is going to be, quote, is going to be less than you, Jake, but how often do you think about the fact that Exhibit is a playable character in NFL Street 2? <laughs> yeah, I did not know that. Um, I don't think I've ever played in There's a, the, like, the, when you beat everything, the team you get is called Team Exhibit. And it is like Lindadian Tomlinson, Jason Taylor, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens. But you know who plays quarterback? It's, the game was made in 2004. So is it Peyton Manning? Is it Tom Brady? Is it Ben Roethlisberger? No. It's Exhibit. <laughs> it's okay, the okay, best what's part. Crazier, what's crazier, that or the fact that Def Jam Vendetta is a thing that happened? No, the thing that's crazier than that is that in the game The Sims, The Herb, Sims in the City, the Black Eyed Peas are all NPCs that you can't have sex with. So that's crazier than that. I mean, that's the craziest of all of them. Um, you can get Fergalicious in a video game, you know? Um, okay. So, yeah. That, I, if we're talking, I mean, I think that if we're talking about that era of video games, the celebrity tie-ins. Um, my favorite thing about the Black Eyed Peas being in The Sims The Herbs that they did... Cause you, have you ever played any of The Sims games before? No, but do you remember that picture of uh, Fergie when she pissed herself on stage? Of course. But, uh, <laughs> but any, well, so this is Go not going to mean anything to you. But because <laughs> in The Sims, they speak like gibberish. And what the Black Eyed yeah. Peas did was they recorded a couple songs. I think I know they did Let's Get It Started, but they recorded it again in The Sims gibberish. It was like, do la, do da, da, la, la, do la, de la, da, Were they doing the original title? The no, well, I mean, it's, it would be the same, but yeah, they might have been because it would just be still be gibberish. That's the thing that we don't talk about enough, that we, that, that we just pretended like it was always Let's Get It Started. Um... I remember the first time I heard someone say that, like, tell me the truth, I thought they were joking, because it's like, there's no way that, why would they do that? <laughs> why would that, you know what I mean? Because if you're, like, 10, like I was at the time, that sounds like a thing a fifth grader would make up as a joke, like, you know the song used to be called, Let's Get Retarded. It's like, why would they call that song that? <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. It's so bad. 
Oh man, shouts to the shouts to the Apple D app and Taboo. Um, they, Lord Zones, they need to be in our thoughts. Um, and uh, I remember there was a joke. What? Well, because they don't have nothing's going on for them. Fergie and Will uh, I Am at least had careers. It was Apple D app and who? who the other Taboo. Uh, Taboo. Okay. I remember Taboo. There's a joke once in an SNL sketch where it was like a, the other black eyed peas where they hosted a talk show together and they mentioned that Taboo was the cover model for Vaguely Asian magazine. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Um, anyway. I thought it was going to be like a Tom Hardy joke. What? Oh. You, you were the only... Were you the only person who watched Taboo? Because I just... Chose I haven't it. seen it. I have not oh, okay. seen it, no. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, the game Taboo, though, fucking love it and I'm the best at it. Anyway. Um, oh, you ever play some Taboo? I could fuck up some Taboo right now. I don't um, remember what that game is. It's like Pyramid, um, where it's... Uh, What's where, Pyramid? It's the one where you have to, like, give... You have to make the other person say something. So, like, if the word is, like, um, monk... And in Taboo, there are five words I can't say. I can't say Tony Shalhoub. I can't oh, say yeah, Detective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, seriously, I legitimately am better at Taboo than anyone else I've ever met. So if you know me in real life and you want to challenge me, well, you only can't just challenge me. You have to challenge me and someone else. And obviously, if I'm playing with someone else who sucks, it doesn't matter how good I am because it's a two-person game. But Is uh, there an online version of this game? Probably, but you need four people to play. It's a four-person game no matter what, so... Um, okay. I mean, also, oh, you two, definitely two, two. you definitely could play it over Zoom. It would be a game that if you had two, you need uh, actually. I think everyone would actually need to probably have it. But um, yeah, you you. I think there probably is an online version you can play over Zoom because it actually would be pretty easy to do it. Anyway, um, All right. so uh, then we cut to Steinar holding the dog, and they look at the tail, and uh, yep, they realize that the father of these dogs was an Australian Shepherd. Yes. Um, and we've seen an Australian Shepherd in this episode, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. We saw Hugh Jackman's character in the 2008 film Australia. Um, I think he was an Australian. I think he was a Shepherd in that movie. I haven't seen it. Um, and he was at least a farmer. It was the Bo- it was a Boz Limmer movie that was, know, it was like $100 million and no one saw it. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, though, as Monk mentions, when Steven and Amanda were hooking up, the dogs were hooking up, too. You can tell the way Monk says it that he just learned the term hooking up. Right, yeah. Uh, I do like that a lot. And so they were hooking up, and yeah, and when, when sorry, I don't know if you said it already. I think you did, probably. That's I, fine. That's usually how it goes. But yeah, yeah when, when Steven saw Shelby, he was patting her stomach. Nope, I didn't say it. Well, I said it initially, but I didn't say it in this time. Okay. Um, yeah, he was patting the belly, her 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 stomach, mm-hmm. and he knew that they were, that they were going to have puppies, and they would be able to connect those two dogs together so that's why he needed to take out shelby which mm-hmm. just a monstrous thing to do from a dog yeah owner. yeah just like really just the real just shitty shit um i mean obviously you're in for a penny um you know that type yeah. of thing yeah yeah, yeah um yeah. but uh this is i think just why you don't try to cover up when you accidentally push them over and they die um just generally speaking it's better to come clean and do a nickel um <laughs> Uh, is that like uh, what, uh, like the when Mister Monk goes to jail? Or yeah, that's what he says. I've quoted him. He says, "I'm doing a nickel." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so uh, yeah, then they she has one more baby, and they it's Exhibit D, which is of course what Stephen gave Amanda. Um, and so uh, oh yeah. boy, and Monk asks what the record for most puppies, and what does Natalie say? A hundred and one. Uh, which is a good joke. And then and even Sotomayor says that was the movie, and he says one of my favorite things that Ted Levine has ever said. And if we ever got Ted Levine in this podcast, which we do, won't, because there's six episodes left. But there's a Cruella, Coupe de Cruella de Vil. 
she was yeah. bad news. Actually, yeah. I didn't actually knew a good friend. Monk, monk, roll out of Ville. She was bad news. But also, why was Ted Levine not in Cruella? I mean, come on. I don't know what role he would have played, and he would have been very out of place in, like, punk rock London, but still. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen Cruella yet. I've it's it, it's not bad. It is the the ceiling on it. I would say that it is literally the best movie you could make about a Cruella de Vil origin story. All of the problems with it are problems that you can't avoid if you're making a Cruella de Vil origin story, if that makes sense. Like, every individual choice is like, you know what, that's the best they could have done with what they're making. That's the best they could have done. Because it's, like, made by Craig Gillespie, who did, like, I, Tanya and a bunch of other, like, legit movies. Like, so Lars it's, it's and the Real Girl? Lars and the Real Girl. He did the remake of Fright Night, which I ride for. Um, I like it too. Yeah. Like, I, so like, it's not, it's a movie that like, unlike a lot of remakes, which are kind of just like shittily made by randos. It's like a movie that's very competently made. It this is a take it or leave it thing, but it has almost no soundtrack whatsoever because it has like eight needle drops, which I personally love. Um, but uh, yeah, and so I would recommend it. It if you could see it for free on like a you know Thursday where you have a couple hours to kill, it's not bad. Uh, anyway. Emma Stone is, like, great in it. Because it's, it's, you know, when you're going to let it, let a great actor just chew up scenery for two hours, I mean, you know, like, why not? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, they're drinking good scotch, which, are you drinking good scotch right now? Uh, I'm drinking monkey shoulder, so. What is that? What kind of whiskey is that? It's a blend. Uh, but uh. I, I actually found, for whatever reason, when I was in London, okay, you know how people say, like, when you go to London, it's super expensive. It's, like, one of the more expensive places. I didn't think it was that fucking bad, to be quite honest. Um, I thought France was way worse. Um, but anyway, so I guess, I guess like the Maker's Mark or like Jack Daniel's Black Label of of England is like monkey shoulders. So that was like the the easiest. I think it was like yeah. eight pounds a shot, and yeah. uh, I loved it. So I saw I saw it yesterday at Target. Um, I hadn't gotten it since yeah. I've been here. I just decided I'm like you know what, fuck it. This yeah, I'm really I'm still on that Bullet Rye. Which of course is not as fun to say as bullet bourbon, but I, I just like rye whiskey better than bourbon whiskey. I don't know if I don't know if I've ever met a single person who agrees with me on that. I just like it. Yeah, I know. Nah, I know. You know what it is, and I think that even not more so that I can't eat bread anymore. The thing I like about rye whiskey, it has the same like feeling on your tongue as bread, which is sounds like a bad thing to most people, but I like that. And once again, now that I can't eat bread anymore, it's like even better. Um, but you, you know what I'm talking about though. Like when you get a rye, it has like kind of a bready, more bready taste to it, um, which I like. Anyway. Okay, fine. I Which guess. is it is funny too because whiskey, even though it's made uh, with with uh, grains, often it uh, the distilling process removes the gluten from it. So, it's a fun fact: all liquors okay. except for some sakis are gluten free. Just FYI for any listeners who are wondering. Um, Thank you. Th- these are the things you have to look up. I I remember when I first got the diagnosis, I'm like, "Fuck, am I have to give up Hennessy?" And it's like, "No, I'm not gonna stop, or I never will stop, and I'll never settle." Um, I'm so, never logging off Hennessy. Truly, no, I'm. Speaking of that, I'm never logging off ever. And anyone who's like, I'm taking a break from Twitter, just know I resent you more than I resent anyone in the world. Uh, anyway, so uh, we then cut to DeWitt, who's outside a monk's apartment, and he's looking mad. He's looked like he hasn't shaved in a couple days. There's not He's in a bad way. Um, so then he breaks in, and uh, Monk does the thing that I think... I wouldn't want someone to break into my house, but if someone were to, I would love nothing more than to turn on the light and be like, you're too late. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, real power move for sure. Um, you know, Monk doesn't have anything to defend himself with, but he does have the power of uh, of, of being able to talk him down from this. This is um, what I like about this season of Monk, which I think that they recapture, is that Monk is a competent police officer, 
And I think that that in the in the seasons that like season five, six, and seven, well, mostly six and seven, I think they kind of just make him a helpless child on a lot of things. And like he is a competent person when the chips are down. You know what I mean? That's that's always what was good about the show is that he has his phobias and freaks out a lot. But when like shit gets real, he can lock in. You know? Yeah, yeah. He's like Steph Curry on game day, locked in, lock in. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, and ultimately, like I, I also think I relate to that too. Because with my OCD, even though I don't have nearly as bad as Monk does, like, one of my big things is when I touch, like, if I eat, like, anything that gets stuff in my hands, like, if I have, like, barbecue or something like that, I absolutely need to wash my hands before I touch anything. Even if it's not barbecue, even if it's just, like, a sandwich, you know, I just touch bread or whatever, I need to wash my hands before I, like, touch my phone or, like, touch drawers or whatever. But if I was eating a sandwich and my, you know, friend was across the table from me, started choking, and I needed to call 911... I wouldn't be like, I can't touch my phone, I have to wash my hands first. You know what I mean? Because when the chips are down, you just fucking do it. You know what I mean? And I think it... Literally, I don't say the chips are down. I don't... Yeah, I don't want to say, like, it's insulting to me, but it is, like, the thing about any sort of mental illness is that, like, obviously there are some people who just can never break it, but with OCD, I think a lot of people, at least I can in my experience, like, you're able to, in extreme situations, get over it. Not get over it, but you know what I mean. And I think that when they pretend like he can't, like, it's... That just kind of feels unrealistic because it, it makes it seem like his... That he's a helpless child, which I don't like when the show makes him feel like that. Yeah, no, for sure. They, they've definitely done a better job with his uh, stuff this year. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, what does he say to him? Uh, you know, he tells, tells him, like, hey, like, listen, like, I... You don't want to do this. Like, I actually believe... Because... He actually believes him that he doesn't think that he meant to kill her or anything like that. Yeah. And if, if if he proceeds further with his plan now... Or no, first he puts himself in front of the dog saying, like, if you're going to kill them, you're going to have to kill me too. Mm-hmm. Don't make it worse for yourself. Like, at this point, you can talk yourself down to, like, manslaughter or... Which it's not great that manslaughter is spelled man's laughter. It's honestly less than ideal. I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't oh. thought about that. I thought about it when I was writing it out. It's like man's laughter. Uh, yeah, and so, you know, he's talking him out of it, and he, you know, he admits, like, yeah, like, it was an accident, I, I didn't mean to do it, and, you know, he lets Monk, uh, take the knife out of his hand, mm-hmm. they have a seat, and they reflect on the scene in front of them, um, and he mentions that they are beautiful, uh, the new puppies exhibits a... Now, how great would it be if Monk completely broke character, and put an Australian accent when he grabbed it, says, you call that a knife, and then pulled out a machete, this is a knife, how great would that be? Is that Crocodile Dundee? It is. Which, you know what? You want, want to hear something great? I've never seen uh-huh. it. Yeah, of See? No, you can't get me. That's my thing. Once, I'm yeah, so yeah, glad. Yeah, no, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I remember I was playing on Discord with the uh, on the Patreon for the Marvel Cinematic University. We were playing the game that I know is Cinephobe, where it's where you like, I like, for example, will say uh, The Social Network. Then you'll say Jesse Eisenberg. I'll say Zombieland. You'll say Abigail Breslin. I'll say Little Miss Sunshine. You'll say Alan, Adel, Alan Rick. In that game, you know, where you have to go back uh-huh. and and I was playing it, and and I feel really bad saying this, but they will all agree. I was expecting to have a lot of fun with it, and like expecting kind of have to like maybe go a little bit easy. But I legitimately felt like Michael Jordan playing against a middle school team, and it just was like just not fun for me. And I don't mean that in a mean way. It's just like I just was not. When people are like having trouble with like you know Will Smith, it's like well then why am I even? I want to do fucking. I want to get into like the fucking Jelko Ivanex of the world, and why are you doing anyway? Um, but people kept saying like I kept saying movies like oh man shit i haven't seen that and i'm like if you have to have seen the movie to name an actor in it you've already lost like <laughs> like i don't I, you if you can't like the whole thing you gotta come up with five actors most if a movie's come out after the year 2000 
I probably could name three actors who are in it, even if I haven't seen it. You know, I, mean? I feel like it's the same way. Where it's like you have to, you kind of just know who's in that movie. Yeah, I mean, I I think at this point I might know more about movies I haven't seen than movies I actually have seen. Like I remember, because I have the memory. One of guy, that. one guy got Gwyneth Paltrow, and he was trying to really clever. He's like Bounce, because he's like, I saw the movie, and no one actually saw it. And I'm like Ben Affleck, and he's like, Oh shit, you saw Bounce? It's like, No, I just know that Ben Affleck is Bounce with Gwyneth Paltrow. What do you mean? Who was the opposite in Sliding Doors? In Sliding Doors, shit, I should forget who else is in that. That one I wouldn't have gotten. Um, because I know it's Gwyneth Paltrow and Gwyneth Paltrow. I, if you gave me, like, an hour, I probably could think of who else is in that, but I don't remember off the top of my head. You would have gotten me in that. Um, but yeah, man, right, came so fun. You, I'll tell you right now, it's John Hanna. Oh, yeah, that movie has no one else in it. That's a good stumper. But the thing about the way we played it, and I think this is a good way of playing it, that you are not basically allowed to give someone an answer that you couldn't give. So if you were to say sliding doors, what I would say to you is challenge, which means that you have to name someone else as sliding doors. And if you can't, then you lose a point. Does that make sense? Which, uh, which is, yeah. which is what, which is good because what I was gonna try to do before I learned that rule, because that's not how I played. I was gonna try to get to. I was gonna try to like lead them to say Robert Redford, so then I could say All Is Lost and get an automatic. <laughs> they would lose, get out. Um, oh god, because there's no one else in it. Right? Yeah. Now the thing too is, I was also hoping someone would do would try to do that to me. Can, can you wait? Can you do like, like the director of the movie? No. And the way that the guy who was who organized it said you can't do voice roles, which I think is dumb, because like that's you know I I think just having obscure shit is the most fun, and like I, for example, I would like, like nothing like using like using Clancy Brown for like fucking Thor Ragnarok or something. You're damn right. Or I was gonna say Daniel Craig for The Force Awakens. Like, oh right, that's just yeah. like fun shit. I mean, when I did because this is actually before he said the thing about voice roles. Um, the nice guys came up and I said. Uh, no, no, someone said Hannibal Burris for Spider-Man Homecoming, and I said The Nice Guys, because you've seen The Nice Guys, right? Yes, I have. You know Hannibal no, Burris plays in that, right? I when when Ryan Gosling is having his, like, dream hallucination when he's driving, Hannibal Burris plays the fly that has the voice, like, oh man, what's going on, buddy? <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I did that. and But that was before they said the voice role, which I think is dumb, because... Uh, yeah, I, um, for example, if someone, speaking of Oz Lost, someone said Barry with Ryan Reynolds, I would then say Stephen Tobolowsky, because he's the main voice on the phone, you know? Um, right, yeah, yeah, even I knew that, somehow. Yes, because, have you seen the film Barry, with Ryan Reynolds? No, I have not seen that. Oh, it's, honestly, I wouldn't recommend it, it's, like, a good movie, but it is so stressful, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot, it's, it's, it's not, I'm not a claustrophobic person, but it is, like, when you, when you're in a coffin with someone for 90 minutes, it's not great, um. Anyway, okay. so we then uh, cut to the end where um, Monk is they're selling the dogs to uh, Anne Marie, the little uh, niece. Um, but Monk mm-hmm. is like, no, we can't. The, they all need to be together. You know, it's a family. And Natalie's cousin, I guess, I think, makes a decision mm-hmm. which is fucking wild without. I mean, I, maybe she's a single mother, but if she's not and she didn't consult her husband, this is fucking wild to say, I'm going to take in five dogs. I mean, yeah. I mean, they got a three-acre farm or like three-acre land, so I guess you know you can kind of give them yeah. like half an acre or whatever. But yeah, I mean, still, you go from having no dogs to five dogs. She's gonna have to fucking go to Petco and get not kibbles and bits, kibbles and megabits. Oh boy, <laughs> that's the worst joke I've ever made. That's the worst joke I've ever bad. made in my that's whole life. Pretty fucking bad, man. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think we need to like end this podcast. Like yeah. Now. So we're, we follow you on Twitter. Wait, wait, wait sorry, we're gonna get it out of ten. <laughs> Oh, no, hold on. Let's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's more. There's more. I get it. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, 
there's like a nice little scene at the end where mm-hmm. she, you know Monk's saying goodbye to Shelby and she knows she's going away and she puts her little cute little paw on his knee. And yeah, she's fucking he, adorable. I, I, I just great work. Yeah, and he finally uh, you know takes the glove off and pets her and reminds her she's she'll never be alone, uh, never again. And uh, and that's the end of the episode. Yeah. And, and so I gave it an eight and a half out of ten. I gave it just an eight out of ten. I think that it's I, I think the family stuff at the beginning is laid down a little too thick to me and made me roll my eyes. But I think it's a, I think it's a really good episode. I think it's also reminiscent of even though I kind of felt bad about telling you that season eight was a return to form because some some of the early stuff wasn't so much. But I feel like these last couple episodes, you know what I mean. Like it just feels like more like they get what's get good about it and it stopped. You know, I just feel like I mean I'll say this: the last episode's so fucking good. I think that just it just it's great. Like. Yeah, it's the I, thing I, about Monk I, is if you look on IMDb, the highest rated two episodes I believe are Mr. Monk and the End Part One and Mr. Monk and the End Part Two, which is a thing you can't say about a lot of shows. Certainly not uh, Game of Thrones or Westworld or whatever. Well, we haven't seen the end of Westworld. I think apparently. Breaking Bad. I think Felina might be number two. Obviously, number one is um, the Fly one. No, Ozymandias. Don't be ridiculous. Ozymandias oh, might no. be is one of the top five best episodes of television ever made, um, in my opinion. That's the, you know that one? It's it's the third to last one. It's the one where it starts off with just the 15 minutes of them in the desert with Hank on the ground. And it has the famous line of like, Walter, you're the smartest man I've ever met. But even I know that I was dead. They were going to kill me 10 minutes ago or whatever. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's where he comes home and like they're fighting over Holly and, you know, there's the knife and it just, great. Just great episode yeah, okay. of television. Um, yeah, that, um, what else? Uh, yeah, man. I read a post about Game of Thrones uh, where it was like, how crazy is it that Game of Thrones, the last season was so bad that like we had a fucking pandemic where everyone was rewatching everything and no and one no said one shit that. about rewatching Game of Thrones. But in the funny thing, I because I watched all of Game of Thrones, I had not watched it before season eight, so I watched all of I binged it in like three months beforehand, and yeah. you know what that was, my friend? Not worth it. I'm kidding. It actually was. Like if I haven't binged it, I can tell like. It, the thing that I, because I had just rewatched all of it, when everyone was criticizing the last season, which all the criticisms were warranted, I was like, I think I kept telling people, I was like, you weren't wrong. The first, particularly six seasons of the show, were magical. Like, they were amazing. <laughs> like, you weren't, yeah. you didn't misremember that. It just, you know. Um, but yeah. Uh, okay, so, okay, wait. I have three episodes I'd like to submit to, like, some of the best episodes of all mm-hmm. time. Uh, it would be episode eight. Of the new season of Twin Peaks, The Return. Okay. Or, sorry, part part eight. It's not mm-hmm. episodes because it's a eighteen part movie apparently. Sure. Um, then there's the most powerful man in the world and his identical twin brother, which is from the last season of The Leftovers. Mm-hmm. And then um, episode uh, International Assassin um, from the second season of uh, The Leftovers, which are both the same thing, kind of. They're both about the main character going into a dream world after being killed mm-hmm. um, and then having to like wake up and like come back right. and stuff. But they're both like, they, there's like the first one, international assassin. He plays like an international assassin, like a James Bond type mm-hmm. who's stuck in a hotel and needs to kill a certain character that mm-hmm. has some sort of meaning in the real world. And then the, the one from the last season, the most powerful man in the world and his twin brother is about him being the president and like trying to stop like a nuclear attack from happening and needing to kill his identical twin by like you know 
cutting him open mm-hmm. and then taking a key out of him and then putting that into like this honestly thing that... this I, this now makes sense of why damon lindelof's head is bald because it definitely makes it a lot easier for him to get his head up his own ass <laughs> no man <laughs> no i'm it's, kidding i'm it's... kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding i just thought of that joke and it'd be funny i'm just i'm just yeah. i thought that and it just would be funny i and anyway i'm sure well, i'm what's funny is both of those episodes were written by the same two people and directed by the same person uh, it was. They were both written by Nick Cuse, who's Carlton Cuse's son, I want to say. Sure. And Damon Lindelof, who I think they were all like Lost people, right? Yeah. Well, Damon Lindelof came from Lost. He basically took over right. Lost. J.J. Abrams only really worked on the pilot, and then he basically said to Damon Lindelof, "Like, here you go." And that's why the show doesn't end well. Uh, anyway, I would submit for best episode television. This is gonna be. You're gonna be so mad at me, but I think Remedial Chaos Theory and Community is one of the greatest episodes of television ever made. Um, yeah. I don't know if you ever saw it. Um, no. it's basically the I've same. Seen, I've seen three yeah. episodes of. It's basically a. It's an episode where it's like a pizza, like a party at someone's house, and they're playing Yahtzee, and they have to determine who's gonna get the pizza, and they roll a dice for it, and basically the episode is going through the six scenarios of what would happen if the dice roll and land on each side, and it's uh-huh. like a master. It's just mastery, and it's um yeah, uh it has it's more a lot of like. I guarantee you, you've seen references to it because it's where the darkest timeline comes from, which is the thing people reference a lot with community. Oh, really? Okay. Because the darkest timeline is if Troy goes to get it, which ends up with like multiple people dying and guns going off and stuff like that. Um, okay. But uh, and then I mean, The West Wing. I think people probably would say Two Cathedrals. That's not my favorite episode of The West Wing. West Wing my favorite episode of The West Wing is Noel, which is the one where Josh Lyman is talking to the PTSD counselor played by Adam Arkin, um, uh-huh. and it's great. I love it so much because I love I love. And I feel like you're probably the same way. Don't you love a frame episode where it's like an episode where it's like someone talking to someone else and they're like with flashbacks and shit? Um, yeah, yeah. It's just... Uh, there's also another great episode like that in the West Wing of Bartlett for America, which is about uh, uh, a guy on, tri- on like talking in front of like a Senate committee and they do flashbacks of how Bartlett became president and stuff. It just... Uh, television sometimes can be really great. And sometimes it can be season eight of Game of Thrones. Um... Although I will submit that A Night of the Seven Realms or whatever is a good episode. I think the second the one's first, a good episode. Like, three or f- the first, three the, I think the second one, the second one where, like, uh, What's-Her-Face becomes a knight, I think is a, actually a good episode of television. And oh, it kind of yeah. sucks that, like... And, like, I also really... Di- I didn't really mind that. I didn't like that how it was done. But Arya killing the Night King, fine. Like, she was trained to be an assassin for years. Fine, that's whatever. But, like, it just... After that is when I had the problem. Like, it, they, I feel like people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe that they night. It's whatever, fine. Yeah, they made it, they wasted the Night King, whatever. But like, I think that they were they were so determined, and I this is really getting stuff everyone's talked about. But they're so determined to make Daenerys turn bad that they realize I think like when they're writing like, oh shit, we this we're like three seasons from getting there. She's not bad enough, so we need to make that happen overnight. Um, anyway. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I it's horrible. I I think the thing that pissed me off the most, to be quite honest, is just. Uh, Jamie, after all that, going back to Cersei. Yeah, that, I think, and and then the brand thing, obviously. Yeah, I think that the thing about the Jamie going back to Cersei thing is that I think, and I think you and I are similar on the same page with this. Is there's nothing f- less satisfying to me in writing when like the, if the arc of a character is like they try to change and they can't. It's like I guess you can do that. But, like I just didn't get the vibe that he actually felt that way. It felt very perfunctory. Like, at least the way, like, yeah. Nikolai Kajawada was playing it like he actually changed. And yeah. then they're like, no, he has to... Like, I just, just did not believe that he didn't change, yeah. you know? Um, right, right. Yeah. Also, I yeah. always find that, like... And I feel this way, too. I was watching Dune, which I liked a lot. 
But thing I don't didn't I love. I thought it was okay. I mean, I I always I might like things more than you do, but just generally. Also, I saw it on the biggest IMAX screen in the East Seaboard, so I saw it on a hundred okay. by eighty foot screen, so it oh, was pretty fucking awesome. Um, but uh, the thing I don't like about it, just as a storytelling thing, is I can't stand. I'm done. I don't like chosen one stories. Like I like stories where it's people who are as randos who decide that they're going to fix something. I don't like when it's like, you're going to fix something because you're chosen. Because, like, that's actually not how the world works. And I think the more inspiring thing where it's like, no, like, the people who actually make a difference in the world are randos. Which is why I think that, which is why I'm a huge of The Last Jedi Defender. I think Rey is an interesting character if she is just a fucking no one. And I don't think she's interesting at all if she's a fucking Palpatine anyway. Uh, You know what I mean, though? It's very interesting to be like, the most important person in the universe is a fucking, she was sold for drinking money. That's interesting. What's not interesting is she was actually chosen her whole fucking life and whatever. Anyway, this has gone off the rails. But uh, we, we had to record it twice and so I was further into my cups. By the time we finished, then I would have thought. Um, but anyway, yes. uh, I I got I got new bitters, so I did make a real old fashioned this time. Um, yeah, because I lost my bitters in the move, so I couldn't. You know, also they're you way too bit, You were bitter. You were bitter. Party of one. I was bitters long. about it, which is a bit that one of my old brother's friends did a whole bit forever, where he went to a restaurant once and asked for an old fashioned, and they said they're out of bitters, and he just kept saying to himself, "There's like a dumb bit, like, you know, I want an old fashioned. I'm, I'm not bitters about it." And literally since then, every time I ever think of bitters, I always think of that. And so, this was like six years ago this happened. And so I texted him, I lost my bitters in the move. I just got new ones. I'm not bitters about it. And he responded, Jesus, Jake, what the fuck? That is the craziest callback I've ever heard. <laughs> like, and this one, I haven't talked to this person in like three years. <laughs> anyway, um, you can follow me follow at the Jake Christie. We're going to be able to follow you. You can follow me at Andre Barrera. And uh, please keep bravely subscribe. Listen to us later this week as we Mr. Monk Goes Camping. Let's get monkey. I got nothing.